<laughs> now you scared the shit out of the audience after scaring the shit out of me. But at least that time I saw it coming. Now we're all That's on the, the same page together. Ha ha. Ha ha ha. Hee ha. Hee ha ha. I'm Sorry. so funny. <laughs> God damn it. Here we go again. But there's beer. Eventually we're going to watch another good one of these. Because I yeah, remember when we were positive. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been a bit of a run of like I don't have anything. Yeah, how nice did Halloween? How did Halloween come and go, and we didn't get any of the great fucking pandemic shitty films? We'll replay the old ones. We should. I wonder if put it's, the exploitation speaking, movies back up. Speaking of Halloween, we were talking at work um, for some reason about mythical creatures and leprechauns got brought up, and Leprechaun the movie got brought up. Probably because they were racist and they were making funny. No, we were... Like, oh, the luck of the Irish. No, we were talking about just, like, unicorns and all that shit, and one of the girls that I work with was talking about how her kid didn't believe, when he was a little, like, didn't believe in Santa or fairies or any of that shit after he got past a certain age, yeah. but he still believed in leprechauns. <laughs> and um, so we were talking about the leprechaun movie, and I was like, that's one movie I'll probably never revisit, because I remember genuinely being afraid of it as a kid. Yeah, I remember you telling me that, that that was, like, the one for you that yeah. fucked you up. And I know if I revisit it now, it's going to be dumb. Yeah. But they did have Leprechaun 2 or 3 or whatever number it is, Back to the Hood on Netflix for mm-hmm. a while. And I don't think I ever watched that one. So we should see if that's a two-star. Yeah. And do I don't Back know. To the I don't know if I've ever seen Leprechaun, to be honest with you. It freaked me out as a kid. Yeah. It was freaky. No, the one that freaked me out, it's the one that still freaks me out, and it's Pet Cemetery. At precisely the point when, spoiler alert, one, two, three, uh, he gets that scalpel and kills his fucking grandfather dude. Or not mm. the grandfather, fucking the, the neighbor. He yeah. cuts his Achilles tendon and stabs him to death. And maybe that's why Leprechaun, 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 Kun, how do you pronounce this word? Leprechaun. Leprechaun. Um, yes, Leprechaun. <laughs> oh, the Leprechauns. <laughs> maybe that's why Leprechaun. Oh, their skin's always falling <laughs> off those <laughs> Leprechauns. <laughs> maybe that's why it freaked me out as a kid, because like, it's kind of like... Chucky-esque, but instead of it being a demon doll, it's a legit, like, creepy tiny person. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's, if I'm remembering right, I haven't seen it in a long time, so I could be wrong. More violent than uh, Pet Cemetery. so the idea of Mm -hmm. a tiny person who can hide under the bed, like, with a knife, (laughs) like, gutting you is kind of creepy. Yeah, yeah. No, I haven't seen it. I'm familiar with, like, what they look like. They look creepy as fuck, but I think they're supposed to get, like, really campy and funny, you know, like, after the first two. I'm sure it, the first one do sucks. Go now back too. to the hood, and I think Red Man's in that movie. <laughs> well, we should watch Back to the Hood for the sake of two stars. I'm down. Anytime you want to, my love. <laughs> I don't think I've seen that one. Oh, shit. You're spilling beer. <laughs> no, I didn't spill beer. Waste not, want not. Yeah, you just splashed it. It's my ice thing. It was yeah. stuck to the side of the glass. Waste not, want not. Waste not, want not. I'll snort that right off the table like a fresh batch do of it. pussy. What movie are we doing? <laughs> Who are we? Wait. What is this show? I don't even Who know. Who are we? Where are we? What's going on? Is Trump president? <laughs> Not for too much longer. <laughs> <laughs> Is the coronavirus still around? They they better than found, ever. They found a vaccine that's ninety five percent effective. That's, that's it's good. in its trial phase though. That's good. We're getting there. Awesome. Thank but you. Who fi- are we? Thank you, Pfizer. Welcome to the Nightmare Box. Presenting mistakes for me. My name is Brett Bloom. I'm sitting across from the beautiful, the effervescent, the most beautiful woman I've ever met, the most intelligent woman I've ever Aww. met, and that's why I made her my wife, Kristen. Aww. I love you. Oh, I love you more. Now make it funny, bitch. I, I'm bringing the energy. <laughs> Bring you the energy. Me. I'm trying. And what today, we today, we're doing another edition of the 222-sta-sta-sta-two-two-two-stays-days-days-days-days. And we are here to talk about yet another movie that we're not going to have a lot of nice things to say. Brett picked so My apologies right off the bat. Brett picked The up. Vatican Tapes 2015. Blaming it on Brett. And I did pick it because I am a non-practicing Catholic. <laughs> and it may be the worst one we've done yet. But try to be terrible. Try to be intellectual and try not to be too harsh. Though. This is like a Creed album if it was a horror film. It's like we're gonna get the you know the hardcore church people who don't really watch this genre. That's my theory on it. It's or, gonna be shown to youth groups <laughs> or a Nickelback album or Nickelback. Um, so <laughs> controversial up front. Okay. Uh, Go Rotten on. Tomatoes critics gave it a twenty percent. Yep. Uh, that's too much. The audience is apparently full of morons and gave it a 59%. I think that's, that's what boasts my argument, that I think this was a youth group film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. These have to be devout Catholics going, I want my priest warrior movie. Yeah. Because that makes no fucking sense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, IMDb gave it a 4.8, and even that makes no, no sense that, to me. No, that makes even less. You know what does make sense, though? 
You know what, to me personally, when I was doing my research earlier, it explains this movie to me. You need that uh, this movie explained to you? I, why it is the way that it is? Like, <laughs> literally within the first five seconds of doing research, I was like, that makes sense, though. Yeah. So, it was directed by Mark Neveldin? Okay. Ne- sure. Neveldin? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, he has directed, it wasn't the original one, it was a, a sequel, but he directed Ghost Rider. The Nicolas Cage movie where he has the skull and his face is on fire. Demon motorcycle guy. Yeah. And he didn't even do the original. He did some shitty sequel to it. Did a sequel to Nicolas Cage's most hated series? Yeah. That's Uh, terrible. We had Hellboy. We didn't need Ghost Rider. Hellboy was pretty bad too. I don't know. That that wouldn't be a better argument for it. But, okay. So this is a possession movie directed by a guy who did Demon Skeleton Ghost Guy. Yeah. Uh... Written by um, Christopher Borelli. Uh, I, I won't fault Christopher because he hadn't done anything that I knew. Yeah. Also written by Chris Morgan, who worked on a huge chunk of the Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> and also Wanted, which I'll give him. Wanted wasn't too, too bad. Wanted was cool because of the bendy bullet. But I don't remember anything else about yeah, that film. I, I didn't love it, but it, it wasn't as bad as this, for yeah. sure. So... We have a possession movie, which I would normally expect people that are into, like, creepy, yeah. like, honey-type movies to be making this type of movie. It was made by people who like to see things go fast and blow up and... <laughs> and, um, and that's exactly what this Go, thing go, did. go. This film hit a fucking guardrail. This film yeah. went out like the co-star in the Fast and the Furious I, films, yeah, whose I'm, name I've lost. That's me. Got behind a car that he... That's me. Just like this movie. It fucking took off too fast and hit a goddamn uh, pole and burned it Never got better. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna... I'm gonna say that explains a why this movie... I almost said Pete Davidson. And I was like, Pete Davidson is not even kind of close to the dude that I'm thinking no, of. No, it's Paul... Paul Walker. Yeah, Paul Walker. <laughs> uh, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and say that explains why this movie is the way that it is. Because it was made by a bunch of people who like to make movies about going fast. Yeah, and they're not Michael Bay. <laughs> um, here's a bit of a shocker, though. The budget was $13 million. I can't believe anybody spent that much. The box office was $13.5 million, So they Hell actually yeah. did not crash and burn like I would have expected. Made $500,000. That's the box office, though. It's, it's not they a bad move. made more. Not a bad move. Um, Had to sell it to Netflix. I'm pretty sure the only reason anybody watched this movie was because of the cast. Yeah. Let's dive into it. So our first person we've got up is Olivia Taylor Dudley. She plays Angela. She's the Antichrist. Hell yeah. Superstar. Superstar. Um, she was in Chernobyl Diaries. She's in a two-star we've done before. <laughs> she, she, we were she, sitting there going, I know who this bitch is, and I don't know who this bitch is. She may have done something better. I stopped at Chernobyl Diaries because that was all I needed to yeah. know. She's Chernobyl been featured Diaries before. features also, a, I believe, a ghost grizzly bear. It does. With little to no explanation. It does. Was this better than Chernobyl Diaries? No, actually. No, actually I feel like not. Chernobyl Diaries <laughs> was better, and I'm pretty Chernobyl sure. Diaries was one I called the shot from the very beginning. I was like, they're going to run out of whatever situation into a guard checkpoint and be shot because they think they're zombies. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure whenever we did Chernobyl Diaries, we said it was the worst one we'd ever done. So congratulations, <laughs> Olivia. They never gave any fucking context to the ghost grizzly that <laughs> no. was my only problem they were like well there it goes and it's never getting brought up again <laughs> congratulations olivia you have topped the list once again <laughs> and then we've got my dude who i just kept pointing at going i fucking know who that is and when i find out what he's been in i'm gonna be so pissed off and his name is michael pena yeah he plays the hispanic priest character who father is... osco yeah he's our Oscar only lozano <laughs> he's our uh, only survivor from the initial incident. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff, and actually pretty accomplished actor, so I can't fault him, but this movie sucked. Yeah, um, he was good in it, but he's good in everything. I don't think he was good in it either. Yeah. Well, I, I think kind of in the way Keanu Reeves was yeah. bored. <laughs> yeah. He's like, really? Okay. So give me something. I'm Hispanic priest in this movie. <laughs> um, but he was in the movie End of Watch. That's the one about the Fucking love it. two cops. That's kind of a tragic end. That had Spider-Man um, in it, I believe. Spider-Man was in End of Watch? The guy who played Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. The original Tobey Maguire. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. I love End of Watch. It's I've it's one of those movies I've seen like four times and it makes me meant, cry every time. I thought you meant Spider-Man was literally in it. I was like, we saw two different movies. It's, what is going on? 
one is a very dramatic, very sad police drama, and the other one, it's Converged World. <laughs> Stan Lee does a cameo at the end of End of Watch. He comes to the funeral, and he's like, oh my god, speaking I can't believe of, they killed that guy. Speaking of Stan Lee, though, uh, he was also in Ant-Man, and he's in Narcos, but not the one you're watching. It's the Mexico version. The one that I'm desperately yeah. trying to get to. So he'll be in that when you get to it. <laughs> Hell yeah. I tried to introduce Kristen to Narcos, yeah. and uh, she made it like an episode, and then we had to watch about five episodes of New Girl yeah. to polish her mind after the violence that is the first season of Narcos. Cartels. I like cartel shit. Pablo Escobar was a boss, and then every now and then they remind you, oh, he was a sociopathic asshole. <laughs> like he wasn't. They killed that kid and his baby mama and tried to kill his baby. That wasn't yeah, fun. Blew up a whole airplane based on a true story. Anyway, next character. <laughs> To, to kill the mama and the baby. And it was like, he killed a lot more people. There were like 150 people on that plane. <laughs> Doug Ray Scott plays Roger. Dougie Ray. Dougie Ray. He's the father. He's our NC's father. Uh, he was in Mission Impossible 2, and I haven't seen it, but I just thought this was a fun fact since you like Hitman. Mm-hmm. He was in Hitman the movie. Did he play Hitman? Maybe. I can't remember. I've, now that I've tried to think about what that dude looked like, I... I don't think so. No, I think he might have played like the bad guy or one of the bad guy's henchmen. The Hitman movie is actually pretty cool if you're into the games, but it is a video game movie. <laughs> it's like if I wonder know, if it's a two star. We should do the Hitman movie. I'm down. We'll we'll break genre. I'm <laughs> for it. And then oh, Lee shit. Um, DJI Digimon. Digi- <laughs> <laughs> I joke because that's Dig- what... Digimon Hanso. <laughs> that is not how you pronounce it. <laughs> I was making a joke because those are like Pokemon. Z, maybe Zeman? Sure. Zeman Hansel? Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the D is usually silent when it's followed by a J. Um, he is, oh shit, uh, Vicar. Imani. Uh, Imani. Mm-hmm. Um, only, only pointing out races here to keep my priests separated. The other one was the Hispanic priest. <laughs> yeah, Hispanic are... priest and black priest. Yeah, they don't have enough character. They're lucky they got names in this film. Well, I. I think it's weird that, because, yeah, he's the black priest character that's at the beginning of the movie and basically doesn't show up again till the end of the movie. I think it's weird that they had him in so little of the movie because he's mm-hmm. another person who has predominantly had supporting roles. He's not typically the main yeah. actor, but, like, a very accomplished actor who's done a lot of big things. Um, and I don't had, take anything away from supporting actors ever. Like, the, the, a lot of films hinge on their part. Yeah, know. I mean, that's true, yeah. But he's an incredibly accomplished actor i feel like to mm-hmm. not have ever really had like his own breakout role yeah, um, i don't want digimon coming to kill my <laughs> digimon um he's definitely done older stuff as well that i was like that was probably a better movie all around mm-hmm. but i figured i'd list this just because it's a more recent movie that most people are going to know he was in guardians of the galaxy nice. and he was also in gladiator a I love old gladiator. classic was it was he one of the gladiators because the king was a white guy. I don't think he was the gladiator. If I'm remembering right, he was one of the people that helped. Um, like um, helped him make his vest and all that shit. I, I think like he's one of the people that kind of helped him. I mean, he may have been gladiator. I don't know. He was one of the good yeah. guys. I remember that. He wasn't a bad guy. So he was one of the gladiators and gladiator. There were a bunch of them. Well, there's people at the beginning yeah. that help him before he gets captured, too. And then people in the camp that he's yeah. friends with and shit. I know he's a good guy in that movie, Hell, but I yeah. haven't seen it in a while. <laughs> better movie than this movie though. yeah gladiator's awesome you ever want to cry again just watch him walk through that field <laughs> <laughs> all right next one i was sitting here going what is guardians of the galaxy and i was like it's a massive success that i've never seen and i'm completely unfamiliar with i think it's that also a pretty, massive book and i've never read good. that i mean for being a superhero movie it's actually pretty funny oh i thought it was a space film is it? it is, but it's superheroes. It's still part of the Marvel universe. It is. Huh. It's superheroes in space, basically. But it's. You have to catch me up on nerd <laughs> shit. We played Tony Hawk. I, I, I bought Tony Hawk one and two, <laughs> and it's awesome as it was back in '98 um, or '99. That's uh, Chris Pratt's breakout role from yeah. Parks and Rec, though. But we'll talk more about Tony Hawk on Sunday <laughs> or Saturday or whenever we decide to put that out. Peter Anderson. Double S's. Double S's. Um, Cardinal Mateus mm-hmm. Brune. Mm-hmm. Um, he's our old rebel priest without a cause who <laughs> sucks at exorcisms. Um, he was in Underworld, another old classic. We don't need to follow the sacrament. Yeah. <laughs> or did we? Or we probably should have. Should have followed some sort of formula. Kathleen Robertson. Uh, that's 
uh, Dr. Richards. It's Angela's mm-hmm. psychiatrist. Did you have a problem with the word Richard? No, I was... I was... <laughs> you added your question mark to the end Shut of it. <laughs> Shut up. Um, this one actually threw me off because she looks very familiar to me. Mm-hmm. And in her uh, filmography, I didn't see anything that stood out to me where I was like, I definitely know her from that. She had like some side roles and some like TV shows I yeah. definitely would have watched. Like... I'm not sure if that was one of them, but like CSI and stuff like that, where I was like, oh, I may have seen her in a few episodes mm-hmm. of that. But like, I definitely thought I knew her from a movie and I could not find one that I was like, oh, that's it. She's in Bates Motel, though. So you remember what she did in Bates? I do not. She, I think she had only done like an episode or two. I don't think she was like a huge recurring role. Yeah, there's a lot of those. Uh, sidebar, um, Angela's psychiatrist. We also had to find one of those for the dolls. Um <laughs> <laughs> John Patrick Emidori. Um, he's the boyfriend. He plays Pete. Um, he played the younger version of Ashton Kutcher. Ashton Kutcher's character. I'm mm-hmm. struggling for it today. So, granted, to be fair, he was very young when he did this movie. But hell of a movie. He was in the Butterfly Effect. Hell, fucking yeah! Another one. I'm not sure if I've seen or not. I would know in the first five minutes. I'm familiar with the concept, so I feel like I saw it once, like right when it came out. I've never been a huge Ashton fan as far as his films. Because <laughs> yeah, a lot of his stuff's yeah, kind of goofy. Um, you know, he did that '70s show for a huge chunk of his career. Dude, where's my car? Yeah, in that. Um, he seems like a pretty solid dude. I know he's really mm-hmm. like a really big advocate for ending sex trafficking. So he seems like a pretty cool dude. I'm not a huge fan of his acting, but Butterfly Effect was like a very serious role for yeah. him and a pretty solid movie. Imagine you're Epstein. You're trafficking in sex. Ashton's and Ashton for Kutcher you. comes around the corner like that Ashton dude. Ashton's gonna give it to you. Yeah, he comes around the corner like that dude in that pedophilia show that was on TV, Chris Hansen. <laughs> And he's like, Epstein? And he's like, am I about to get punked? And he's like, no, dude, you're about to get arrested. There's <laughs> cops all over the fucking building. I don't know why they sent me in first to do this whole operation. Probably because I'm a celebrity. <laughs> you want to give us a synopsis? Um, fuck yeah. Um, so a crow or um, raven, depending on... I, I, I should have looked up the difference between a crow and a raven. I know one, a bunch of them, murder. Um, Which there is some murder in this there movie. There is some murder. Maybe that's poetic. Um, but it flies through the windshield of a bus. It hits a lady on the finger after she's already sleeced her finger. Sleeced. Sleeced it. She sleeced it at a birthday party. She sleeced it at a birthday party. And her dad, who... Let me restart. Okay, so there's a chick, and her dad wants to fuck her. And so she throws a birthday... I mean, that's never said, but it's a very strange relationship she has with her dad. And um, so she throws a birthday party for the old man, slices her finger, goes to the hospital. it's her birthday party. Her boyfriend throws her a birthday party. I thought they were throwing her dad a birthday party. No, it was her birthday party, but dad surprises her. And she's like, Dad always gets the first slice. Oh my God, Daddy. And then she has to cut her own birthday cake. Uh, after blowing it out, which is a thing you can't do during the coronavirus pandemic that I realized while we were watching the film. Uh, anyway, uh, none of that matters because later on, after she's been stitched up, a bird flies through a window, reopens the stitches, and that doesn't really matter. But the bird kind of put the demon in her, and then the demon turns out she's the Antichrist. And there's the CIA, and they're operating out of the basement of the Vatican. Yeah. And then she turns into a Mother Teresa character, which if you're caught up on the Book of Revelations, shouldn't have happened without the rapture. She's supposed to be the tribulation king for seven years. Well, should happen. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least according to, you know, my remembrance of the Book of Revelations mixed heavily with the Left Behind series. I (laughs) I don't know where canon starts. And where Left Behind begins. (laughs) All right. You ready to dive in? I can try it. I know I'm going to be getting up and getting another beer this episode because I'm I'm fucking slamming it down, dreading this conversation. Let's do it. So, um, there's a lot to unpack. There's a lot wrong with this movie. (laughs) Um, what bothers me probably the most about this movie is regardless of whether or not they were side roles for these people or if they were the main actor in the movie or whatever, a lot of these actors have done 
some fairly impressive movies. Hell yeah. And had some pretty meaningful roles in their career. And End of Watch is easy in like my top 50. Like, yeah. <laughs> and we put one, two, three, four, five, six, seven people together that kind of make up our core cast. Mm-hmm. Um, that in their own rights probably deserve a little bit of respect. And between seven separate accomplished actors, we can't save this movie. Is that a genre thing? We've had this discussion on the opposite end where we had a bunch of nobodies meeting Keanu Reeves. And we talked about... But none of these people are... Was the film hurt by Keanu's presence or should they have flooded it with people of Keanu's level to balance it? And here we have a bunch of supporting actor type actors. Um, You would think that they would all be on the same field. Yeah, and like none of these actors are so accomplished that they take away from the movie. Like hands down, I think for me anyway, the most recognizable actor is going to be Michael Pena or... Pena. Pena. Yeah. and again, he's someone who's made his career mostly out of supporting roles and crushed it for sure. But he's not someone you look at and go like, he's the star. Yeah. You know, and so to have all these really solid supporting actors that can't find a way to work together to me mm-hmm. is a failure of the production. At what level? Uh, all levels, <laughs> to be honest. Like, Let's look at it from first the casting level. Um, sounds like a great idea, but then when you think you've got a bunch of people who have never been like the true star of their film, I mean, end of watch, he is the co-main character. I mean, it is him and Spider-Man. They Mm -hmm. are the people that are the MCs of the film. He's not playing underneath Spider-Man. But it's two co-stars. Yeah. It's not really either one of them taking it away. Exactly. But he worked really well in that dynamic as you would as a supporting actor type actor. Um, does do you think it was a game of one-upmanship? No, I think they picked people that honestly just didn't mesh together. Is what happened. I I think as far as um, the casting went, I don't know if they did table reads or mm-hmm. if they had these people kind of audition I would hope together. For Thirteen million dollars. Yeah, sit yeah, down I would and hope read so. It. Um, but I, I don't know if maybe they didn't do table reads, if they didn't have these people audition together, if maybe the audition itself just went exceptionally well and then they got into production and like it all kind of started falling apart mm-hmm. from there. But like, I think first and foremost, they picked a lot of people that were talented in their own right, but just did not sync together. Yeah. Like, I don't buy... Well, you've and, got a director who's used to working with Nicolas Cage, so yeah. he's like, I don't know how to God, direct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, he had done other stuff too, I but know, yeah. I know. Um... But yeah, I I don't buy, period, first of all, that the boyfriend and girlfriend love each other Mm -hmm. or have the type of relationship we're meant to believe in this movie. Like, they live together, they should be comfortable with each Mm -hmm. other, and he loves her enough that he sticks around for a coma that lasts over a month, like, doesn't leave, she's acting like crazy, she's possessed, and... He still sticks around and fights for all of this and ultimately ends up losing his life. And I don't buy that their relationship with each other is strong enough that he would make that sacrifice. Well, especially because they contrast it with the father who loves his daughter way too much, who is a military major who they keep calling a colonel throughout the entire fucking film. <laughs> his uniform's goofy, but you have to do that for the sake of Hollywood. I'll let it go. And... Um, because his relationship with the daughter, you would think that this is a burnout dipshit of a boyfriend, mm. but this is like the most, like, I would love that dude to date my daughter. You know? Yeah, like, like there, you're going to sit there for the two time. months after this car accident that she fucking caused. We both know she fucking caused it. You've not dined her out to the cops, and yet dad is now combative with boyfriend throughout the rest of the fucking mm-hmm. movie. They do weirdly, um, sort of seem to bond together for a moment there because the dad's like this is the only choice we have yeah. we have to do this and they're kind of in it together you can tell but with it the doesn't... unplugging no with like when they do the exorcism they're like this oh, is yeah, yeah, our yeah. last hope you know or whatever and you kind of get that sense of we're supposed to feel like they're in it together but mm-hmm. we don't spend any time establishing the relationship between the two of them for it to feel 
Weirdly, I didn't think about it until you said it, but yeah, it does kind of feel like weirdly she's dating her dad instead of her boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And even the chemistry there isn't strong enough for that to be meaningful when the father dies, like dad dies and it's just like, oh, whatever, dad died, you know? Mm -hmm. The only time that they really, the the boyfriend and the dad seem to relate on any real level is in the overdose scene. Mm -hmm. If that was indeed an overdose that I was, I, I was trying to follow what was going on there. That was confusing. Yeah. But when... He calls for the dad. The dad runs into the room. He directs him to go get the pills. That was a very well-executed scene, and there was a lot of chemistry between the two men in that situation. And I believe that they were coming together for the common good. But then we immediately drop out of that life (laughs) when she goes to the hospital, if I'm remembering it. Yeah, she goes... So she had been to the hospital once already at that point, and then... um... The car wreck happens after that. So she goes back to the hospital again for something else. Exactly. And then they immediately lose connection again. And then it comes back out later on in the film. Whereas that should have been a turning point for the characters. And I almost wonder if that was shot out of sequence. And they hadn't had a chance. And that maybe that's why we get these weird ebbs and flows in chemistry and, throughout the entire and film. And most movies are. That's the unfortunate thing I think that actors have to deal with. A lot of movies, the first scene is... You know, something that's shot way later in the movie and they'll shoot like the heavy emotional scenes early on because they're bigger production days and they'll knock them out early in. So, I mean, that is... Makes it easier to, you know, project the schedule out for the people that are wondering, where's my fucking money? Yeah, (laughs) and and that is an unfortunate thing that actors have to deal with. Movies are never, ever shot in the order that you see them in. They're always shot out of order. But as... All of these actors are, for the most part, you know, long-working actors. I, I would think that that would be a thing that you would be used to. So, I don't know. For me, it's it's a failure of pairing together people that successfully can work off of each other. And a failure to give them a story strong enough to make up the difference. Like, yeah. the story is so weak. For sure. <laughs> like it, it's a video game. We t- we, yeah. We've talked about this concept a bunch you know, especially in the past, like, five movies, but that's what they are to me. They're video game films. There's no reason for her to have sliced her finger with the knife in the first place if we're going to establish this massive bus crash where it flies through and hits her in the hand. Just let it fly through and hit her in the hand. She doesn't need the pills. She's possessed by the devil. And then it turns out she's the Antichrist. (laughs) Yeah, and see, that makes no sense to me because it feels to me like we're trying to set up at some point, she's become possessed, and mm-hmm. she was herself leading up to that moment. But the movie is so chaotic on the front end that I can't even tell at what point that was supposed to have happened. Yeah. Because she's already acting weird when she cuts her finger. And mm-hmm. then the crow thing happens very shortly after, and she starts acting like crazy weird. There's yeah. no Tries like establishing... Tries to drown a baby. Fucking yeah. drives herself into a guardrail. Or yeah. another car, rather. Yeah, there's like no establishing leading up to that. And then we write off her weird, like chugging down water is just a side effect of of the pills. And the psychiatrist mentions with such passing that they gave you a drug that they were supposed to keep you in the hospital and monitor while you were taking. Mm -hmm. That it has no relevance to her behavior. Her concussion she sustained in the car accident never gets brought up as a reason for her behavior at all. It feels like a first draft. Honestly. Yeah, and like a a messy first draft. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if she's possessed or if she was born the Antichrist and she just came of age that Well, that's that the way it's out. supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, so Go it's... rewatch The Omen. You're supposed to be born the Antichrist. Yeah, <laughs> like, and, and they try to, on the back end of the movie, establish that. So I don't know if they went through rewrites mid-movie, but they're like, oh, yeah, just think of it. She's the daughter of a whore and yeah. you know like she's a manchurian she's in a, candidate and her car accident woke up the devil yeah, inside of her she was in a coma for 40 days and like all this like yeah. stuff that they're trying to force feed you are signs that from the beginning she was the antichrist and it's like well what did the the knife or the infection or the bird yeah. or any of that have to do with anything why couldn't she just have been the antichrist like right up top you're not going to shock me with it i'm already in the realm of the supernatural yeah and not introducing a new element by calling her the antichrist you just changed it from i thought she was possessed by a demon to oh my god she's the devil 
it, it feels like a weird I'm I'm not a religious person to be fair, but it feels like a weird reimagining of I guess possession movies or like movies about like good versus mm-hmm. evil or whatever because typically yeah, most movies that have these kind of storylines follow the parameters of what is kind of the norm for that. Yeah. So like even um Little Evil, which is a two-star we did. The funny yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> like, even with that one, like, we kind of established the kid is a demon from birth, and he just yeah. gets quirky as he gets older, you mm-hmm. know? And he was born the Antichrist, and he's trying to be a really good dad. Yeah, <laughs> and, like, the mom was, like, fucked by multiple people in some weird ritual, and mm-hmm. she ends up giving birth to the Antichrist. So, yeah, like, we established, like, the kid's kind of a weirdo from the start. It just didn't come out until he was yeah. older and kind of could control it. So... For her to be 25 and then just have this weird series of events and suddenly she is so hardcore in control of her powers and possessed that out of nowhere she can make people like kill each other and kill themselves and cause buildings to fall. and Even the coolest shot, the coolest death in this whole movie, I called seconds before it happened. We were like, what's he doing with those light bulbs? I was like, oh, he's going to take his eyes out. And then like right after I said that, he took his eyes out. And, and, like, they try <coughs> try to play it like it is a possession because she'll suddenly revert to herself. Oh, I'm so sorry. That wasn't me. I didn't mean yeah. to. And then, like, yeah, suddenly out of nowhere, it's like, oh, she was she was the Antichrist all along. Yeah, but I don't know who she is from the beginning, and I don't give a shit. You know, like, if they'd established her as, like, this woman who loved going to church on the weekends, and then this thing happens, and, like, she sweats while she's in church, and then, like, the bird hits her hand, and she pees herself when she walks in the church, and then after the car accident she is incapable of going into the building. Like, show me her being separated from God, so I give a fuck. Yeah, and even... <laughs> if we're going to do a religious horror film. And even um, the fact that she, like, makes some implication about her dad being a devout Catholic and being old school or whatever, and her and her boyfriend living together out of wedlock. Like, the boyfriend makes a joke, like, oh, was your dad want me to marry you or something? She's like, you think highly of yourself. And it's like, <laughs> we could have built on that, like, her living with her boyfriend out of wedlock, which that's a super conservative idea. I'm not encouraging It's a Catholic that. film. Left. Yeah. They, I'm, they, I'm not they encouraging. They don't believe in the hardcores, <laughs> and I know the hardcores because I had to go through their little system to get baptized with them and then walked out of that ship as soon as I was old enough to think. <laughs> uh, don't believe in sex without yeah. the concept of procreation. So and, a pill I mean, or an abortion is, yeah, hell for Catholicism. Most Christians in general don't believe yeah. in sex out of wedlock, Can't jerk period. off in the Catholic Church. And that's when I was like, well, I can't not do that. So God's <laughs> going to have to get over it. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm not an advocate for marrying someone that you've never lived with or you don't know pretty intimately. I yeah. do not agree with that idea. It's but... a dowry system, and that's why it's a failed religion. Yeah, but... Pope's kind of cool. <laughs> You're going to keep giving me butts. I'll keep throwing Catholic jokes for at you. For the sake of the movie... Um, <laughs> Like, why is that not explored? If father is a devout, very strict Catholic, why is her not moving in with her boyfriend, a symbol of her drifting away from God? Like, why is that not explored? Why is the tension between devout religious dad and this, you know, impure dude sullying her daughter, Mm -hmm. like, adding to this tension of, oh, like, she's not with God? Well, in dad's response, because he is a devout guy, um with a St. Michael complex. Uh, <laughs> but um, maybe that is the anger towards the boyfriend. But why don't or, we build on that, though? Exactly. No, I agree with you 100%. But I'm like, just trying to think reasons to defend it. Like, to me, I feel like it's weird that... Which I get she's supposed to be the Antichrist at this point, and the Antichrist probably doesn't give a fuck. But... Yeah. Um, like, whenever she kills everyone, she lets the priest live, which is her enemy, mm-hmm. and kills her own father, which, fine, he's a devout religious person, kill him. But then the boyfriend, who is kind of the symbol of her sin, she also kills, and he's been very supportive, and he, yeah. he doesn't, like, try to harm her, and he's there she for She doesn't her. try to seduce him. Like, yeah. she goes immediately to violence, and it's like the devil is supposed to be master of manipulation. She can manipulate him with sex if 
she's a fallen angel because of premarital sex. Now's the time to, I mean, it's a PG-13 film, but it shouldn't be. (laughs) She makes a point to collect all these followers later through her miracles. And it's like, why do you not want this guy who loves you and who supports you and who is quote unquote a sinner like, as a part of your fold that's following you. Like, that makes no mm-hmm. sense to me that there's not, like, a clear division of the sin in her life and the godliness in her life and how that's pulling at her. And then, like I said, yeah. oh, it turns out she is the Antichrist. She is not with God. Like, we have this whole ridiculous thing where she spits out the eggs that are the Holy Trinity. That was fucking ridiculous. That was practical effects, key point, and probably because they blew all their money on that stupid fucking raven. <laughs> But the eggs were just hard-boiled eggs. And you could tell that they just put one in her mouth and then she pretended to gag it up. (laughs) But yeah, that's her, like, basically coming away from God or whatever. She spits out the Holy Trinity and then, oh, she's suddenly the Antichrist, you know? It's like, I thought the raven was the devil. Now you're throwing out bird eggs. But I'll, yeah, well... And what is the raven... (laughs) Like, the raven never comes back again after the exorcism? Well, it's inside shots. Like... It hits the window and the dude goes to the window. But that's pre-exorcism. After the exorcism fails and she is truly the Antichrist, we never see the raven again. So it's just this silly... You would think she would hold her hands up and they'd land on her in numbers and carry her off into the fucking sunset (laughs) with all the (laughs) the beginning shots. It's like cliche symbols that we see in these movies, but then they're trying to reinvent it into something that just does not make sense. Yeah, I have a huge issue with the genre that is the exorcism film because of the fucking exorcist. It's, It's not, some people think it's the greatest horror film of all time. It's like, if it's not in your top three, you don't know what the fuck you're even talking about as far as what is the best horror film. It wins every time. I haven't seen it in quite a while, so to be fair, if I rewatched it now, I might feel differently. But I did actually think at the time when The Exorcism of Emily Rose came out, it was. Yeah. That's like another a big neat... one. And they're both based on real, quote unquote, real exorcist yeah. stories. I did think that one was a neat reimagining because I like the fact that it goes from the priests on trial at the court. Two mm-hmm. flashbacks of this exorcism failing because they think basically yeah. the, cre- the they priest... killed they killed that girl on yeah. accident yeah. And, yeah and I did think that was a really cool way of reimagining that because it's like was she possessed or did these people neglect her mental health yeah. so I did actually really like that and movie but... the one that the book and then the film was made about was one I think it's um, Ronald Doe or Roland Doe one of those two names. Um, which is an anonymous exorcism that actually happened. The, the church files happened. William Blatley found the file, wrote the exorcist, and then the film was made, and they turned it from a boy to a girl to up the fucking ante. And uh, she's Reagan. She's 12 years old, and at some point in the film, grabs a crucifix, masturbates with it in front of the priest while blood shoots out onto his head. And that's why you can't do another exorcism film, because unless you're willing to show a 12-year-old masturbate with a crucifix, you're never going to piss off Catholics ever even again. The, even the special effects they do, like her crawling upside down up the stairs. like the head spinning, the fucking spewing vomit. Well, I was going to say, like, modern cinema, like, it looks a little silly because you're like, oh, you can tell that's special effects. But they still did a really good job on it for the yeah. time. Like, you still watch that now and go, well, that's a little weird. <laughs> no, the, the one of the best scenes in the whole film is simply at the, at the early stages, still in Act 1. She walks downstairs and pisses herself. And the color that they use for the piss changes the dynamic of that scene. Because it's not a child's, I'm full of vitamins. It's like a dark yellow, like senior citizen level urine. Um, and another interesting Only you fact, would pay attention to the color of urine in a movie. I, I write horror films. <laughs> um, the other interesting fact, and it's pretty well known, so if you're, you know big fan you're not going to learn anything here uh the scene where she screams i think it's get back and the mother's thrown back and the fucking dresser rolls whatever they use to yank that woman back i think it dislocated her shoulder Fun. so that scene that you see on the television and that face that she makes like at the very end is because her arm is just gone now she's just lost her fucking function practical effects 
Always worth it if you can pull it off. I don't know where that conversation started, but I much prefer <laughs> we could just talk about the no, Exorcist. No, we, we could just abandon this. this. <laughs> um, I know you're not a practicing Catholic, and you haven't been Catholic yeah, in a long I time. I haven't practiced in eight years. But I'm do you... 29. I pretty much tapped out at 21. I got pulled into it when I was 18. So, do you feel like on any level this movie like accurately represents like that culture? that's what I was saying earlier, I think, when I was talking about the father of having a St. Michael complex. When you go through your baptism thing, if you weren't grow, if you didn't grow up in it, you got pulled into it. You have to go through like this year-long program to learn all about Catholicism. And that's why I've got all the books, because I basically took a class for a year with my boy Pete, and Pete taught me all about Catholicism. And I was going into the Air Force right around the time of my... Um, Confirmation. Confirmation. Yeah, I was like commencement communication. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you have to pick a saint to be baptized under. So it, it's me at like 19. I think I just turned 19. Um, a couple of kids that are like 16, 17, and then a bunch of five-year-olds. And we're all standing there in line, and I have to bow down and get the oil on Easter Day. And... Hey, you're a Catholic. Welcome to the church. You know, um, where was I going with that? If it represented the culture at all, you see a lot of the the guy who baptized me was a former Marine, and we were in Tennessee, so there were a shitload of military people. And when I went into the Air Force at nineteen, I could go take confession. Um, at Lackland on Sunday, you know, <laughs> they let you out for Sunday and I would go to mass and it would be like me trying to like coax all my other little airmen dudes like, Hey, you know, this is really important. You know, God believes in war. Um, <laughs> and that's the St. Michael complex. I guess is what I'm saying. I got baptized under Michael so I can relate to the father figure where it's like, well, this thing that I believe in here, you know, uh, uh, it's kind of like Hindi saints. I don't know how to answer your question because <laughs> so I don't believe in the practice anymore. I'm closer to something to like Hinduism or Buddhism. <laughs> to, be, to be fair, the Catholicism isn't necessarily the point of the movie. The exorcism is the point of the well, movie. Yeah, I learned today because I was yelling about it when we watched this fucking thing. Um, but I learned today that they changed the rules in 1999, which they tend to do. They changed the rules, which makes it like Baptists and the rest of you. <laughs> <laughs> But they changed the rules in 1999, so you don't have to do the full mass before you do the exorcism, because the mass is an hour-long process meant to bring you into communion with God, hence the concept of the bread, the wafer thingy, the wine. I find it interesting. Slash Welch's grape juice that the Baptist and Protestants use. I find it interesting, though, if that's the case, that they don't seem to have done the research for that for this movie, because they make a point to cause a bit of tension between the two priests in that scene like the one wants to do mass and the other one is acting like he's not doing it because he wants to step away from god well, that that's an interesting dynamic because the hispanic community is a lot more close to the fucking vest with the traditional catholicism whereas the white community ventures off like with protestantism yeah. and baptists well, and if that was something, because this movie didn't come out till 2015, 15. so if that was something that they did change, like, that had been in practice for years that you didn't necessarily have to do mass, and this movie treats it like that's revolutionary, like, we're not doing mass because we're rebels or whatever, yeah. you know? And well, that's what I'm saying, is, like, the Hispanics hold it a, a, a lot closer yeah. to the original doctrine, so he would stand up for it, and the other guy would be like, no, in 99, we broke it down well, to three doesn't... prayers. He doesn't explain it that way, though. In this movie, like, when that scene happens, the um, white priest is almost like, sometimes to get closer to God, you have to get away from God. You know, and it <laughs> sounds like he's, like, working outside of the cloth, yeah. basically. Like, it's not, like, a traditional thing that would normally be accepted. Mm -hmm. And, like, I feel like that's one of the things that also kind of hurts this movie, other than the story just being very lukewarm. <laughs> 
they don't seem to have bothered to do the research on anything for this At movie. All. No, the Boondock Saints is closer to Catholicism <laughs> than this fucking film. But like, even in the hospital, they have a scene which maybe <laughs> they just didn't have extra footage. But for fuck's sake, I would have picked anything else to be shown. They have a scene where they're talking about the daughter being on life support and basically being brain dead and how she's been on life support yeah. for like 40 days at this point and they're making the tough decision to pull her off life support. They cut to a take of her with literally no life supporting that mechanisms. That was the funniest shit. Of any uh, kind. I thought we were still going off on Catholicism. I was like, you, you were like, well, why would the priest be there? And I was like, well, love, in most major hospitals, you have a priest standing no, by I'm for the, the last lack of research. <laughs> like, they show this chick, and she doesn't have... And uh, a she's respirator. Not intubated. Yeah, <laughs> she's not intubated. She doesn't, as far as we can tell, doesn't have any wires of any no kind. No feeding to her. Yeah, <laughs> nothing. And then they show yeah. her in a different clip later where they're pulling the respirator out, and she's suddenly on one. I'm like, what is happening here? <laughs> the whole fucking hospital shit was wild as fuck. As a dude, you worked in the hospitals, but as a dude who. My dad was in that hospital, and we had to pull him off of all of that support. It was like, no, you couldn't talk to him. He had a fucking tube down his throat. He had to look at you and look toward the TV, and then you'd be like, change the channel, and he'd shake his head. Yeah, and like I've worked with, um, because I worked in a hospital for almost a decade. Like I've worked with patients who needed like assistance breathing that weren't Mm -hmm. brain dead. But like the implication of this movie is because they say she's not had any brain activity and that's why they're deciding to pull her off. The implication of this movie is that she's brain dead. Yeah. You cannot breathe by yourself. Not a good thing. Not a good <laughs> move. Terry Shivo couldn't do it. <laughs> and then they they try to be like, oh, they unhook her from everything and she kind of like very clearly like exhales. It's yeah. not. It's like she wasn't wearing a mask five seconds ago. She was handling it great. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's not what I would think would be the death rattle or whatever. Yeah. They're like, oh, that's normal. Don't let that get to you. And then she starts very visibly twitching and breathing and stuff. And they're just like, oh, huh, she's alive. Holy fuck. Should have kept the heart monitor on so we could tell when this bitch was dead. Yeah. I. Like, so you don't remove the heart monitor when you take them off life support. Mm. That's the thing that lets you know game over. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's, uh, like, I don't think they looked up anything. Like, it's so frustrating. <laughs> Dynamics of how buses work or how birds work or how <laughs> writing works. Yeah, and I... Oh God, I don't even know what to do with this movie. And are you, where, where are we at time-wise? 45 minutes. 45. We're ready to walk Let's it down. Let's wrap it. Um, my <laughs> biggest question after watching this is what was the point? Like, seriously. It was meant to be a horror film. You show 12-year-olds in a youth group in a Catholic church, and everybody goes, did you get the message? The Antichrist is coming. Sleep well. All right. I know. Your father's cheating on you. He told me that. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, with traditional um, exorcism movies or movies about creepy kids that might be the Antichrist or whatever, like, you do get this buildup of, like, you get to know this character, and Mm -hmm. so... The struggle that this character is then going through or the struggle that this family is going through because of this character is supposed to be meaningful. Like, it's supposed to tug at you and be like, this is horrible. What would I do? It's terrifying. And then in this movie, we don't get to know the characters at Mm -hmm. all. She's basically instantly possessed or antichrist or something out of nowhere (laughs) and immediately tries to drown a baby. Yeah. And then starts just spontaneously making people off themselves or offing people her self talking to the wall so there's no close and killing everybody in the insane asylum which hasn't existed since the reagan administration there's no build-up to she's getting more powerful or this is getting more scary or this is getting more serious like it's just like she kills a bunch of people the psychiatrist is like well you can take her home then yeah she goes well i know that you were cheating on your husband and sucking dick while you know his wife was i don't know peeing in the bathroom or whatever the fucking excuse was but like calls out the psychologist and she's like well you don't Definitely don't need any more assistance, so apparently yeah. you're very well put together. Yeah, and like... But it's like, we have the omen, we have the exorcist, I've seen the Amityville horror, I own the novel, I read the novel. It, it, it's a weird smash-up of Amityville, the exorcist, and the omen. 
But like with Amityville or The Exorcist or any of those type of movies, like what gets you is like you get to know these characters. You get to at least on some level either yeah. love or relate to Not these characters. Not in the Amityville horror, but in the other two. Well, the, <laughs> no, in Amityville horror, they have the little, his siblings, his little siblings, that mm-hmm. adorable little girl that plays his sister is the cutest fucking kid on earth. So when you get to that moment where he fucking axes his whole family, you're yeah. like, oh, he killed his sister though. You know, and, like, that poor little girl was just laying in bed while he was like, goodbye, you know? So, like, you want In the actual story, he shot everybody and nobody heard the gunshots, which is the creepiest part of the Amityville horror story. Because that's, like, actually happened. He was, like, on PCP and then walked room to room and shot everybody in the head and nobody got out of bed. Which means... I think it's in the movie, it's storming, so maybe in real life it was storming that night, so the sound of the storm covered it up, because I think the night... I'd have to look back at the original case. Which I'm speculating, exactly. <laughs> I totally But anyway, moving forward. But, but anyway, the point is, with movies like that, you get this, like, you get to know these characters, you get to love these characters, mm-hmm. tiny weird events start happening, even the fucking legend of the Bell Witch... Tiny weird shit. You get slapped in the face. Somebody pulls your hair. We're not murdering babies from the day (laughs) one, you know? So, like, it's these weird, creepy build-up of, like, this is kind of creepy, but it's, like... Just under yeah. the creepy level that I can tolerate it, so I'm gonna stick around. And Who put hope all it gets... that water in that cat litter box? Yeah, like I'm gonna <laughs> stick around and hope it gets better, and then it keeps getting worse. And at that point, you're just so far in, you're like, oh, I guess this is what life is like now. And then somebody gets murdered, and then you feel bad because it's like, oh man, I wish they had gotten yeah. out in time. It's gonna be really hard to paint her as a benevolent creature, meaning to walk the world through the post rapture tribulations. Uh, if uh, opening she scene, she's drowning a baby. Yeah, so we don't get that build up. She's literally from the day one fucking crazy <laughs> just murdering everybody and yeah. like not even trying to hide it she's not just sitting there in the bed just kind of being like oh i'm here she's like whispering at the walls and pointing at people she wants to die yeah. and all this stuff this is pre-trump horror film <laughs> <laughs> this is the kind of security we had under barack obama continue <laughs> i'm winding you up wind love but, wind go the fuck off but the point is so she does all the killing and shit And then the ultimate payoff to this movie is that people worship and follow her. And the final scene is her just raising her hands up in the air like she's some Jesus bitch. Yeah, she's got the fucking holes in her hands and in her feet. Well, we don't see those at the end. I think she gets rid of those to her followers. But she's just standing there in the end on a stadium stage just smiling, bathed in light. And that's where the movie ends. And... It doesn't even make her seem that scary. Like, well, you said earlier, fucking makes it feel like we're waiting on a sequel. Like, yeah. this is the fucking, the next version of Priest. Yeah, because they, they show you the basement. Not Judas Priest, the film Priest. <laughs> they show you the basement of the Vatican, and it's like some CIA priesthood down there. Yeah. The basement of the Vatican is supposed to be, like, one of the craziest places on Earth. But it's because it has, it's supposed to have, like, the fucking little goblet of fire that Jesus drank all of the wine out of. Uh, <laughs> the goblet of fire. I forgot. I immediately that is from forgot. Harry Potter. Yeah, I know, but it, it's a goblet. The chalice. The chalice. Fucking the the, and it's supposed to have the, the tunic. Holy Grail. That's what I meant to the say. The Holy Grail. Yeah, yeah, the tunic that is supposed to have you know Jesus's face on the side of it or some shit like all that's down there and like the dead sea scrolls are supposed to be down there and like all these crazy books from like fucking five thousand years ago are all supposed to be in the basement of the vatican but then they're like they have a complex computer system you type a password in the computer and curtains open talk about the time nicholas cage did it right that is nicholas cage with his goddamn fucking da vinci code film gets they He's in there reading the books and the devil or the bad guy or whoever was the actual culprit kills the oxygen and he has to destroy the library to escape the Vatican. It's like one of the key scenes. That's how it's done. It's not done like this. But what I think is so comical about CIA Vatican is he types a password in the computer and the only thing that it does is pulls some curtains aside to reveal an old elevator. Yeah. Like which looks like that's a your security. You could literally walk up and brush the curtain aside. Yeah, they no point introduce the guards in the Vatican, which are supposed to be like the Swiss guard. They're supposed to be the most badass motherfuckers that have ever lived. They're the only war element of Switzerland. 
there's like ten people that will fuck you up for next to no reason. They're supposed to be some of the most violent people in the world because they protect the Pope in a world where we've been fighting with Islam for fucking a hundred and goddamn... Ah. <laughs> yeah, I, I felt like at the end of this movie that what I was supposed to feel, what they wanted me to feel, was that outcry for, give me another one. Like, I want felt, another one. Yeah, we need to take down the demon, bitch. Yeah, because like, um, Lozano meets the other uh, priest dude and yeah, they go down to the Vatican and he's like, you're one of us now. You've fought the yeah. Antichrist and lived to talk about it. You're part of this brotherhood of warrior priest guys or whatever. And so it feels like, yeah, at the end of the movie, ideally what I'm supposed to want is to see these warrior priest guys <laughs> fighting the Antichrist to save the world from destruction. Weird side note, if you'll give me just a half second, because I don't know all the facts, there is a tribe, a weird word, of about 200 priests. That's it. There's 200 people, and they are like the people that do exorcisms. So like the world that controls exorcisms. There, there are 200 people. I'm guessing men because it's only recently that females have been allowed to be priests. Um, so there's 200 dudes that run exorcism out of the Vatican and they have like annual bed and breakfast meetings or some shit. Fun. Yeah. Continue. Wish you could crash that. <laughs> uh, but no, it, it feels like that's ideally what they expected was that there would be an outcry for a second movie and that this was going to be a series of movies that were going to be wildly successful. And I can't believe they got back $13 million, to be honest. So no. kudos to them for fucking pulling that <laughs> off somehow. It's wild. Can't even get a goddamn job over in this bastard. <laughs> but at the end of the movie, what I walked away feeling was like I had watched just a mess of ideas meshed together that created a villain that I wasn't scared of and I didn't yeah. care about. Nobody and, tried to punch her in the face. <laughs> yeah, and our, our quote-unquote priest warriors, we only see the one at the beginning and the end of the movie, so didn't care about that guy. And then the Hispanic dude didn't seem terribly intimidating enough for me to be like, yeah, he's going to go fight the Antichrist. Because yeah. he was the whole time looking up to old white dude like, what are we doing? Are he's you sure not, we're doing this? He's not young. Okay, I'll fling some water. He's not young exorcist dude in The Exorcist. Like the, the boxer that is like jogging around like Rocky. He's not that guy. Yeah, no, he just seems very lost and confused. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll give him when white bitch walks up to him, she he goes, I'm not afraid of you. But then... <laughs> And nominee Padre Village. He doesn't feel. <laughs> he doesn't feel like our Eli dude in the Book of Eli, who's gonna walk the earth fighting mm -hmm. bad guys with the Bible in his hand. You know, like he doesn't feel like he's gonna take down the Antichrist. And the Antichrist seems like you could punch her in the nose and she'd fall <laughs> out. Yeah, she got knocked unconscious by a car accident. That's not Antichrist shit. Well, I mean, also like, I. He, Old priest dude grabbed the chains on her arms and pulled her down. Like you broke think, her arms. Yeah, yeah you'd think like, she'd be like, fuck you. It's like but... now she's just like one of those zombies in The Walking Dead when they figured out that you could just cut their arms off. She, she looks like beauty pageant Antichrist. And Ugh. I feel like, really, the sequel to this movie is uh, Trump's beauty pageant. Uh, <laughs> it's just, the sequel is Ivanka. <laughs> right. Getting fucking... It's 20... I don't know how old Ivanka Trump is. It's 2035. I don't even know if the math adds up. Ivanka Trump is running for president. The rapture has just occurred. There you go. She's going to make it seven years through her eight-year term and then reveal herself to be the devil. And uh, we're all going to go to hell. Except me, I'm a saint. You don't believe in God. So? <laughs> you can't burn it. <laughs> you got anything else to say about this piece of shit? Because holy two mother fuck. thumbs way, way down. Well, two thumbs up for you, love. You're my favorite person. Thank you for doing this shit with me every goddamn week, twice a week. Spend fucking hours of your life just watching horrific Terrible shit. Terrible movies. And simultaneously, I've become a better writer for it and you've become a better director for it because we look at every shot as to not make these same mistakes and i hope you guys are out there doing the same moral of the story um you can't cast your way out of a bad story you can't we've proven it time and time again 
but I don't even care to add my plugs to this shit unless you want to rattle a few off. No, I'm hungry. All right, I'm going to go make stuffed bell peppers for all you assholes out there that think that I'm an irresponsible drunkard. I'm going to go make stuffed bell peppers while my beautiful wife showers undisturbed. <laughs> and then we're going to watch that. I'm probably going to make her play Tony Hawk. <laughs> I love you, sweetheart. I love you. And I love you guys. And we will talk to you on Friday, Saturday, maybe Sunday, maybe next Sunday. I don't really know. Oh, hey, this is our... Oh, hey, Mark. Oh, hey, Mark. Um, <laughs> no, because today's Tuesday, so this will come out next Tuesday. So this is our last episode before Thanksgiving, right? Happy Turkey Day. Yeah. Gobble, gobble, in, motherfuckers. In, in small gatherings of less than yes. 10 for less than 15 minutes outside. So you guys, uh, will get, you guys will get the dish on what we made. The dish on this. what we made. Probably duck, because I don't fuck around. <laughs> get a joke? No. We normally sign off with a quick laugh. Not today. No. Just stuffed yeah. peppers. Yeah. I'm a Paul walk off of this show.